This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. murder that's georgia hardstar that's karen Kil- Kil- that's karen kilgareth this is a, p- a podcast kilgareth yeah <laughs> did i get it right kilgareth. <laughs> <laughs> how's everybody doing yeah uh, fun time fun times just good time COVID and yeah. a pandemic what's up you know i think just a lot of escapism i think welcome to your podcast world uh-huh. you you've put your earbuds in your earbuds in <laughs> you've put your your what do you call your it? Beats on? Beats your Beats by Dre. Beats by Dre is on your head. That's right. Your ninety nine cent store cancer causing earphones that you're putting you just put in there that disintegrate. There's some leftover ones your mom got for free at the bank <laughs> for opening crazy. a checking account. That one weekend, put, throw them in. You're in. Plug them in, or maybe you're in your shower and you have your rate your shower radio. Oh, on. you lucky. How'd you get so rich, Mrs. Brookstone? <laughs> oh, Richie Rich over here. Oh, I guess you can listen to music in the shower. <laughs> Enjoy. Um, this feels like the, it's almost like podcasts are the new escape rooms because you can't go to escape rooms anymore. <laughs> it's like the world True. is an escape room. That's right. And podcast is one of the, is a puzzle piece. Yes, this is hidden. This um, particular episode, the keys to it are hidden in a fake book that's up on a shelf way in the corner. <laughs> that's right. But what book? You don't know. You have to solve this other thing first to figure it out. You have to remember high school geometry to solve this clue to get to that thing. Sorry, I can't. And now I'm mad and offended. That's right. So the one guy in the group who knows everything and everyone else goes, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. And pretends that they know it, too. I don't know. I've actually never been in an escape room before. Thank God. I would love to go into an escape room and figure out who I know that. Well, you you already know the answer. And I'm sure the answer in my group of friends is me. But who the dominant psycho is, because there are people who get into group situations yeah. And they can't not group manage because they had bad things happen in their childhood where nobody was in charge. Right. So oh they my God. can't let a moment go by where that's not being produced and managed in some way. I'll be that person if no one else is. Yes. And, which I think is makes me that person. But like right. I did get invited to a, an escape room once with someone that I was like, no, I don't want to be in a room with that person. He's going <laughs> to take control and it's not going to be yep. fun for anyone else. Like I just fucking yep. knew he's a great guy to have drinks with or whatever, but like, no, it's the funniest thing when you, when the mask comes off in the escape room and you see what people <laughs> who can or cannot handle, like, it's like, this is no longer just a, a conceptual theory idea of a room. Yeah. This is now you and your dad and the old football problem from sophomore right. year. You're going to solve it in your thirties <sighs> in front of everybody. I am the person, this is my character in it. In within three minutes, I give up and want to go get drinks. And yeah. I'm fucking over it and might have a panic attack because I'm locked in a room. Yeah. So I'm so much My, fun. I'm so much fun. 
so much fun. Mine is I hang back, people begin to take over, and then I get mad at how bad they've taken <laughs> over. And so now I'm in a bad mood. I'm being sarcastic, and then I take uh, over. Yeah, okay. As long as you so add fun. something. As long as you don't get so mad fun. and then don't add something to the... <laughs> As long as, you fix as long as you bring some anger to the table. Right. That's right. It's This is the spice of my personality, which is we could all just be standing around in a room laughing and trying to make it work. I'm going to bring in the um, dysfunctional family Thanksgiving vibe oh. where suddenly people aren't talking to each other. Oh. There's there's real drama because why if it's it can't just be an escape room. This should also be a psychological gauntlet. Is it like a game night? To, are you like that on game nights, too? No, I love game night. Game night, I just laugh okay. and um, try to win. I try to be cash, but I'm definitely yeah. trying to win. Sure. What's sure. the point of not trying to win? Remember the time we played uh, over Zoom? We had a game. Yeah. We were like trying out games. And I drew on my phone with my finger, drew a picture of Thanksgiving dinner so accurately so- it blew everyone's mind. It was unfair. The games we played, we kind of were just doing an experiment. And we played a bunch of games and like... You were so good at them. And yeah, the drawings you could make with your finger on their fucking phone. But I've never known that about myself. It was almost like I just wanted so badly to prove myself like I'm good at things and worth your time. Well, you I did don't know it. what the fuck I was thinking. Because I was straight up stick figure. You can't even tell it's in like the hair stick stick figure hair. Which is the fun of those types of right. games. It wasn't fun Any kind of for me. Pictionary you don't enjoy. <laughs> I think it's hilarious when it's like you're under the gun. What's what's going to come out? Yeah. You know what I mean? I like the game. I just don't like seeing how poor how poorly I perform at them. But it's fine. Yeah, I understand. I'm that. fine with it. I understand. That. Okay. So why don't you? Why don't you uh, what I'm saying is, buckle down and draw Thanksgiving really accurately. <laughs> try it. Try I it don't know how that happened. Everyone, I'm try it at home. drawing. It's harder than you think it is. Try just draw the concept of Thanksgiving. Yes. You have like 35 seconds. Text it to a friend and say, and what, then be like, "What is this? What is this to you?" Yeah, because somehow all of a sudden, my brain and my finger and everything connected, <sighs> and out came the most perfectly shaped turkey. roast turkey on a plate. I think it even had the little frill feet. You know, they put the little <laughs> frill shoes on that look like <laughs> chef's hats. It did. Like, that's how yeah. fucking detailed it was. I was into. I really just wanted. I don't know. I think that my self-esteem issues, that's how it comes up. That's mm. how I choose to prove myself. Some people go to the gym every day. Mm-hmm. Somebody, Some people do a lot of leg lifts. I save it and I save it and I save it <laughs> until I have to draw a picture of Thanksgiving. There was a time when Vince <laughs> and I were just like doing competition Uno games constantly. <laughs> Remember when we were mm-hmm. on tour and I just started bringing Uno with me? Yeah, you were into it. It was fun. It was. I don't know why we haven't done that. This we got to get back um, into it. Oh, I do. Co- COVID quarantine. <laughs> Our, all of our lives have been cocaine. like Because <laughs> you guys have been doing cocaine. <laughs> cocaine together. Um, um, what you got? What are you watching? What are you reading? What are you eating? And uh, oh, Let's see. I did very, very healthy eating yesterday because I, over the weekend, had a, a dip of bad eating that made me feel so terrible. I was oh, like, I did okay, you can, you're too old to do this. And... There's a pandemic w- that that's everyone's health is at risk. Yeah. So what are you fucking around with? Like, stop fucking around. Um, I did that. I've been getting better over quarantine. But then uh, there was like three steps back where I just went. It made me feel so terrible that I 
got my act back together. Me too. And mine was Panda Express and McDonald's. I did those <laughs> within a... Mine was McDonald's Was it really? Too. I was just like, how has it been? It's been almost a year since I've had McDonald's. There's spicy chicken nuggets now? What? And so one night, just had to... Had to. Yeah. I wonder if I got my McDonald's idea from your you telling me about your McDonald's idea. Probably because stole you, it I remember me. you <laughs> you telling me that you did it and then it was just kind of like it happened, I did it, and then it was like the <sighs> it was like a it was like shoots and ladders where it was like a straight downward <laughs> shoot almost, right down yeah. just back to square one. Oh god. It felt bad. Yeah. Suddenly you're it off felt- the board. You're not even at square one anymore. You're just in the toilet. You ki- you kicked the board and you made all the pieces go everywhere. And no one can find any pieces. Oh. No one wants to play games anymore. That's how it felt. Taste- it was how good. are you? It was good while it was happening, though. I'm good. Let's see. Good for six minutes. Yeah. Yes. I have a movie recommendation. Let's hear it. Okay. There's this movie. Jaws. Is it Jaws? <laughs> it's not Jaws. I've seen it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> It's um TCM, you know, Turner Classic Movies. Hell yeah. Always have Where great our friend movies. Millie works. Our friend Millie. Yeah. That's right. Well, they put on, and maybe it was her because she puts on the best movies, is this documentary called The Queen. It's not about the Queen of England. It's from 1968. And it's a documentary about the experience of the drag queens at organizing and participating in the 1967 Miss All-America Camp Beauty Contest in New York City. Wow. And it's just a documentary following them from the first meeting to the rehearsals. They do these fucking dance numbers that are incredible. It's them in the hotel rooms all together getting ready and talking about, you know, their sexuality and their, you know, tips for drag queening. And it's so fun. <laughs> good and then the actual show the show itself is almost like secondary i'm pretty sure we spotted uh what's his name uh, andy warhol in the audience oh i'm sure i'm it's sure it's just really it's it's captivating i wonder oh that's uh i wonder if is dorian Corey uh featured in that because she is the older drag queen that's in paris is burning that's like oh. and if you want to throw you a gold ring and you fly real high Let's you know see. that that one? Yeah. I let me Cuz she was around, she was one of the I mean that she's just like a legendary, mm-hmm. a legendary queen. Oh, yeah. Wait. Yeah. Right? The Queen put drag on stage long before RuPaul's Drag Race and even Paris is Burning with appearances from Andy Warhol, Edie Sedgwick, Dorian Corey, yes. Frank Simon. It's Frank's the movie's by uh, Frank Simon. Yeah. Get it, you guys. I'm obsessed. It, the, oh, I can't wait. Wait. So what do you remember? What's the title again? The Queen. Yeah. The Queen. Yeah. Okay. I have to watch that. The, here's my favorite quote from Dorian Corey. I always had hopes of being a big star, but as you get older, you aim a little lower. Everybody wants to make an impression, some mark upon the world. Then you think you've made a mark on the world if you just get through it. And a few people remember your name. Then you've left a mark. You don't have to bend the whole world. I think it's better just to enjoy it. Pay your dues and just enjoy it. And if you shoot an arrow and it goes real high, hooray for you. Okay. <laughs> Tattoo that on my entire back. Her saying that in Paris is Burning is the first time I saw that. I got like 17 waves of chills. Yeah. It's the best philosophically uh, accurate, like, hell yeah. That's exactly what it's all about. It's how to live your life. I love it, it that. It really is. It really is. Let's do it, you guys. You, with Guys, you and you're you're still in the shower. You're really wasting water. But oh my god! I guess you you're not from California where there has been a drought. Shelly, oh, come on, get out of the get shower. Out, get out of the shower. Stop conditioning, packing your hair. Yeah, 
Shelly. It's all the same as regular conditioner. Shelly, short for Shelbert. Get out of the shower. Shelly, shaving your body from head to toe. <laughs> Wrap it up. Okay, so this week we're doing... Uh, oh, wait. Do, do you want to talk about we have, MFM network updates? Yeah. Well, the one exciting thing is that if you... So, Bananas, um, the Bananas boys have started a mini-sode episode of their podcast, and it's only on Stitcher Premium. So, if you go to Stitcher Premium and sign up with using their code BANANAS, you can listen to them for free. Amazing. It's like a taste test for Stitcher Premium. <laughs> and they're, so they're cool. shorties, too, where they're just like playing. They're kind of doing like a hometown style where they're doing like, what's the weird news that happened in your town? Right? Yep. Yes, That's exactly. Such a great idea. Ooh, Murder Squad's doing the Ketty murders. Yeah. That's exciting. Ugh. I know. Those are fucked up. There's a they wrapped up on the fall line. They wrapped up their Sam Little series. So that if, you, if you didn't catch that the first uh, time around, they did um, a four part series about the serial killer, Sam Little, who got caught in Texas, who drew the pictures of all his victims. And he remembers them all. And there's like 90. Uh, they think there's like yeah, over almost 90. 100. <sighs> yeah. So many and more per- potentially. It because it's just all in his head. It's a really interesting story about how they put the pieces together through DNA, and then then he just started talking, and it's just it, that he, Texas Ranger yeah. went down there and sat man to man with them, and yeah, it's that, incredible. It's pr- it's quite a story. Yeah. Um, and then for as far as merch goes, we have oh, yeah. the oh my god, I love this design so much. So, um, a, a listener. By the name of Rack Flan, R-A-C-F-L-A-N on Instagram. Who Rachel dro- Flannery. That's right. She is so talented. We've been like loving her stuff forever. And so we um, are now bringing you her You're in a Cult Call Your Dad um, design. And it's freaking adorable. So cute. Yeah. So go to uh, the My Favorite Murder um, store yeah. at My Favorite Murder dot retail <laughs> dot gov right that's it that's the, that's the name that's that's it that's all you need to know that's the url everybody if you're like me you're always looking for a story to dive into whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve the key to getting hooked is the details i need rich visuals and intricate storylines and june's journey has that and more June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, 
Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. All right. So should we introduce, this is going to be another quilt show. Yeah. People are loving the quilts. That's right. Because I'm fucking taking my first little weekend away. Georgia's getting out of the house with her mask and her man. That's right. We're going out of town. We're going to sun our buns. It's just badly needed. (laughs) It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Well, let's see. Sorry, Stephen. Which one of us goes first on this episode? Oh, yeah. I believe it's you, Karen, since uh, last week was Adam Walsh. Oh, right. Right. Good one. So, okay. Then in this quilt episode, we go all the way back to, correct me if I'm wrong, the first year of us touring, 2017, right? Yeah. Well, because we started at the end of 2016, but like the way at the end. And like touring, touring was different than just... This was the first official tour, I believe. First official tour. So. Yeah, it's March 25th, 2017. And this was the weekend we were at Revolution Hall in Portland, Uh, Oregon, and the murderinos and the listeners showed up to win. They uh came to party. They came to get down. (laughs) Uh, They came to fucking blow the roof off and they did it. There was barfing. There was people crawling on the stage. It was legendary. I wish I could go back there now. Yeah. God, it was fun. It was. Um, so this is the episode, the live episode, where I cover the I-5 killer, Randy Woodfield, at Revolution Hall in Portland, Oregon, March 25th, 2017. Enjoy. Ooh. Who's first? I think you're first because you got your page up. Do you want me to... I, actually, Stephen might have shit queued Stephen, up. Stephen, get on that Janet Jackson mic and tell us who's first <laughs> this week. Uh, I think it's Karen's turn. Great. Wonderful. Listen, I I took a fucking allergy pill. I am like I tried to prepare, and I just you guys are it's real allergy here. What's happening? Oh, because of your nose. I to be like my nose is dripping on stage. It's so embarrassing. Oh look, girl. I mean, you know that's Broadway. That's how it is. <laughs> it's just I yeah. It's like come on. Can I just look? Okay. Anyways, Karen. you know what you might want to do. What? This is what Patty Lapone does. You just shove Kleenex up your nose. <laughs> I dreamed a dream, baby. Mm. All right, well, um, my murder for Portland, Oregon is one you may know of, kind of famous, perhaps. It's the I-5 killer. Yeah! Yes. Yes. You take on the big ones. Yes. That's my forte. That's my jam. 
Uh, I got most of this information from a Sports Illustrated article. <laughs> Interestingly enough. That's interesting. A man named L. John Wertheim wrote a really awesome article that's online. You can look it up. Don't look it up. And uh, follow right along with me reading. <laughs> But uh, this is what I really like. On the website, uh, the Sports Illustrated website, when I went to go read this story, because I'd actually read it a while ago, and um, I went and found it. And on the website, it says, Sports Illustrated, Sports Investigated. Oh, no. Fucking look into it with a sports perspective. Yes. I guess the sporting is the murdering. Like, it's, did they get that? That that's what they're I mean, calling it a sport? They're, I mean, I think what they're saying is you can wear a jersey mm. as you get look into true crime if you feel like. Yeah. Dear Sports Illustrated, I was so offended when you had the <laughs> audacity to call it. <laughs> And she has a black... Oh, no, is this a blackberry? I think she's a blackberry. She, yeah, she uses a blackberry. <laughs> her name's Patricia. I'm calling her Patricia. Uh, Patricia, come on. Patricia, let him do his thing. Yeah. You don't have to have an angry opinion all the time. Go ahead. But you can. <laughs> but it helps. Randy Woodfield was born in Salem, Oregon to a middle-class family. It's here for Salem. <laughs> Wow. Yep. This side and this side. Oh, because of all the witches being hung. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He was popular among his peers and a football star at Newport High School. Go Vikings. Is that true? I don't know. Oh. Um, I'd be rad if you got that right. I think it could, I could have just pulled that factoid out, but the chances are so slim yeah. that I couldn't don't say ask. that that's what I did. I don't want to know the truth. And we never will. <laughs> At least not in this story. Okay. In high school, um, Randy began to exhibit antisocial sexual behaviors. Mm. Not the social kind, the antisocial <laughs> kind. Not just plain Frenching. That's not what he was about. His first arrest for indecent exposure was hushed up by his football coaches so he wouldn't be kicked off the team. Uh, priorities, priorities, priorities. You gotta have those high school fucking football You gotta focus. Over. You gotta move that ball down the field. No. And you've gotta make sure that a boy that pulls his penis out on a bridge <laughs> and says, everybody look at this, gets moved up in society. It's Can you imagine if like a mathlete coach was like, I can't <laughs> tell anyone about my creepy fucking mathlete star over here. Do you know? We need him. Do you know how many quiz bowls have been lost because of peeping Tom yeah. jerk off boys? We gotta we got got cover this up. Okay. Turn that over. Uh, so he graduated and then he went on to play for Portland State University. Eh, you guys aren't this, Now it's. Oh! It's of this. <laughs> oh. Oh, Randy. That's not what I was expecting. Randy. All right. He looks like um, uh, Henry. He looks like the Fonz. He Everyone's. Looks, are people leaving? 
such a weird, that was such a weird, like, all right, we're out of here. We don't like this old yearbook bullshit. Randy Woodfield was a, a, a wing right. He was, I don't know what that is. He was, he was a white Cuts robin. On a dime. What's a WR? Look he at was that. A, good hands. Good hands. Cuts on a dime. Fluid and smooth. Catches well in a crowd? What? Uh, uh, he was a good said? jumper. Just <laughs> Randy, you're such a good jumper. It doesn't matter that you jerked off in front of the cheerleading squad. <laughs> you're a good jumper. <laughs> such a good jumper. So now there's a, a visual element. You're going to have to handle that and incorporate it into what was only an audio experience beforehand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Too much. You're asking too much. <laughs> uh, so at Portland State University, he was known for his devotion to the Campus Crusade for Christ <laughs> and the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Uh, one of his teammates was quoted as saying it seemed real important to him that he came across as someone who would do the right thing. It was almost like it was keeping him together. Ooh. I don't even bother trying to seem like I would do the right thing. Yeah. That's the secret. And then I do. It seems like the people who are trying to look like they're doing the right thing are doing the wrong thing. <laughs> a lot. Uh, yeah. If you have to think really hard about what the right thing is and if you should do it, <laughs> That's right. then you've got a fucking issue. If you also, if you need a really old book to help you do the right thing, maybe you <laughs> You need to get some help in doing the right thing all the time. I don't know. I don't want to start a thing. This isn't a, this isn't. Karen, Karen stirring the fucking shit. Different parade, different parade. I mean, you didn't come here for the Bible talk. (laughs) Three more arrests in the early 70s for petty crimes such as vandalism and public indecency did not prevent Woodfield from being selected in the 1974 NFL draft by the Green Bay Packers as a wide receiver in the 17th round. Jeez. Yeah. He jerked his way off to success. Randy, Randy. He signed a contract in February of 1974, and it stipulated that he keep himself in peak condition, he avoid consorting with gamblers, that he wear a coat and necktie anytime he was in public. And that's it? Yeah. <laughs> and he took it literally? And that was it. <laughs> a coat and they're necktie? Like, oh, but when you're wearing the coat and necktie, no pants, fine. Yeah. As long as you have the top part on like Porky Pig, we're good with you. Hmm. <laughs> He looks like a detective who got into some capers and it's just... Yeah. Anyway. He was like, I'm so stressed out from my detective job, I have to show everybody my balls. <laughs> Ew! <clears throat> That's Randy! <laughs> um, <clears throat> he was signed almost immediately and that money enabled him to quit his job at the Portland area Burger Chef. No one gives a fuck about Burger <laughs> Chef. <clears throat> Randy was on the verge of playing in the NFL, but he was cut during training camp. Mm. He stayed in Wisconsin, and he played the 1974 season for the semi-pro Manitowoc Chiefs. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, That's also the same city where they filmed Making a Murderer. Oh, yeah! Yeah. Manitowoc? Manitowoc? So after, okay. so he basically stays in town, plays for a semi-pro team, but after a dozen flashing incidents <sighs> across the state, he fucking got in his car and took it all around Wisconsin. Oh my god! He's like, I hate hotels when they don't have shampoo, and, and also I show my dick off. To and everyone. also check, <laughs> check this out my dick. junk out. <laughs> I have a pile of junk 
for all of you to oh, see. Ew, you keep making it. <laughs> pile, a pile of junk. Uh-huh. Something it specifically. Just, it was just piled up. Stop it, stop it. He was kind of, he would be at an angle, so it would pile up. <laughs> oh, God. It's fun. <laughs> it doesn't stay like that. Um... I'm so glad my dad's not at this show. <laughs> uh, as one Wisconsin law enforcement officer recalled years later, Woodfield, quote, couldn't keep that thing in his pants. <laughs> um, so he... Uh, um, so he left Wisconsin because he uh, basically got fired off of the semi-pro team because of all the flashing incidents, and he went home to beautiful Portland. Um, then he would, once he got back here, he would show up at Portland State on occasion to work out with his old team. Mm. What is sadder than that? <laughs> uh, oh, he's here again. Pretend that... Hey, guys, I don't know. <laughs> Throw the ball around a little. <laughs> Never forget. I guess I need a shower off now. Let's all shower off. (laughs) Should we we shower? (laughs) Um, The coach at the time was quoted as saying, he seemed like a nice kid. He was a good athlete. But one of the other players said, coach, don't get too close to that guy. He's strange. Mm -hmm. Finally, a voice of reason. Mm -hmm. So... Now, simultaneously, and maybe coincidentally at the same time, um, in early 1975, in Dunaway Park in southwest Portland, several women were sexually assaulted at knife point. So the Portland PD assigned female police officers to go undercover. What the fuck? This creeps me out so much when they do this. What? Because it's just like, uh, hey, 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 I'm going to get you first, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I always love it because they're like, it's like, sure, I'll go dress up like a, a regular lady and walk around a park at night and then I'll fucking cut you. Yeah. Legally. I'll yeah. fucking shoot you in the knee. Yeah. They know what to do. Okay. So on March 3rd, 1975, a man wielding a paring knife darted out from behind some bushes demanding money from an undercover cop. The police converged, arrested the assailant. He identified himself as Randy Woodfield. Mm football star extraordinaire mm-hmm. <clears throat> he pled guilty reduced uh, he, he pled guilty to reduced charges of second degree robbery and sentence he was sentenced to 10 years in prison wow um, so retired lieutenant Paul Weatheroy a longtime Portland cold case detective said there was a conventional wisdom back in the day that someone who was an exposer or a peeping Tom wouldn't elevate to more serious crimes we've learned based on no evidence whatsoever <laughs> Well, let me finish the quote. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. We've learned that nothing's further from the truth. <laughs> so, in, in a mere 30 years, they put it together that uh, actually it's just the beginning of yeah. something special. Yeah. It's the exact opposite of that. Yeah. So, uh, Woodfield was paroled in July of 1979 after serving four years. Mm. And... Uh, his former PSU teammates threw him a party to oh. celebrate his release. Come on. But some thought it strange when the guest of honor arrived two and a half hours late. 
I read this. I read that sentence over and over, and I was like, "Because like, that's the bad part." That's the. That's weird. What the fuck? Yeah. <clears throat> I, I wasn't mad that he was showing his dick off, but he's two hours late. He never wears pants, and that's, that's fine. But yeah. tardy to the party? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so, Randy. No, 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 no. In jail for rape and attempted rape? Oh well. Late to the party? Yeah. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Know your manners. Yeah. Uh, so at this same time, he gets out of jail. He starts cruising around Portland in a gold 1974 champagne edition Volkswagen Beetle. Oops. Yes. What is up? Almost like an homage. Almost like it's like it's so Ted Bundy. It's beyond yeah. Ted Bundy. I feel like Volkswagen needs to issue an apology for the seventies. <laughs> you know, like we didn't plan it. We just yeah. there's something like you know. Yeah, there's just something about them. They're just they're easy to kill with. <laughs> perhaps. Yeah. Um. So Randy, uh, he was kind of a visionary in a lot of ways because he, of course, he had a great, amazing football player's body, and he really enjoyed sending naked pictures of himself to women. But oh, they did was, that back then? This was the mid-70s, right. so he had to do it analog style. <laughs> he, had to, he had to do it the hard way and, like, wait around the a photo way. mat. <laughs> photo mat. Yeah. <laughs> Are my pictures ready yet? Yeah. No, sir. He drives back around that little thing. <laughs> Just keeps driving around it in his gold Ted Bundy mobile. <clears throat> he also submitted pictures to Playgirl magazine oh. and had been waiting to find out if he was going to be chosen as the boy next door. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, sorry to ruin Playgirl for you, girls, but... Mm-hmm. Um, Wasn't Ted Bundy in like a... Yeah, the one where he's like on the bear rug or whatever. I think that might be a Photoshop. Oh, that's actually t- Tom Selleck, right? <laughs> You're thinking of, it's it's actually Burt Reynolds. Yes, yes, yes. Two strikes. Okay. That was just like that was just like us through the ages. You just saw like how old I am, how old Georgia is. <clears throat> All right. So then on October 9th, nineteen eighty. A woman named Sherry Ayers is raped and murdered in Portland. She's bludgeoned and stabbed repeatedly in the neck. And it turned out that Randy had gotten out of jail just in time to attend his 10th high school reunion in Newport, where he had reconnected with Sherry Ayers, and they had begun to see each other socially. <clears throat> he was questioned about that murder, um, but he refused to sit for a polygraph, and the homicide detectives found his answers generally evasive and deceptive, but because his blood type didn't match the semen found in the victim's body, no charges could be filed. A month later, on early Thanksgiving, early on Thanksgiving morning, Darcy Renee Fix, 22 years old, and Douglas Keith Altig, 24 years old, were shot to death execution style in Fix's North Portland home. And Fix's 32 caliber revolver was missing from the scene. And while Darcy had once, uh, while Darcy had once dated one of Randy Woodfield's closest friends, they again could not connect him to the crime. Hmm. Um, so, now starts the I-5 bandit killing spree. On December 9th, 1980, a man wearing a fake beard held up a gas station in Vancouver, Washington, just across, as you know, from the Columbia River, from Portland. <laughs> Karen. <laughs> Getting that those. paper mill. Oh, how does it smell? <laughs> Maybe that's, that's right. why I'm like, my nose is bleeding. Yeah. Basically. 
because of the paper mill? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just fucking fiberglass up my nas- nostrils. I know someone that used to work there, and he said, that's the smell of money. Mm. Local jokes get local work. All right. <laughs> Four nights later in Eugene, a man wearing a fake beard and athletic tape on his nose raided an ice cream parlor. The next night, a drive-in restaurant near, um, in nearby Albany was robbed by a bearded man. A week after that in Seattle, a gunman matching the same description pinned down a 25-year-old waitress inside a restroom and forced her to masturbate him, which is yeah. the worst sentence of all time. <laughs> Just a bummer. Four weeks later, on the evening of January 18th, 1981, in Kaiser, Sherry Hull was leaving the Transamerica office office building after her cleaning shift. A man, who, a man managed to get into the building, grabbed her, and walked her at gunpoint back inside. Mm-hmm. On their way down the hallway, he spots the other cleaner, 20-year-old Lisa Garcia. He grabs both women, brings them into a back room, orders them to lay on the floor. After he rapes both of them, he shoots both <gasps> of them twice in the back of the head. Oh. Sherry Hull dies, but Lisa Garcia survives. Fuck. Yes. Isn't that fucking nuts? Yeah. She fucking execution style gets shot in the back of the head, stands up and is like, I'm calling the fucking cops. Oh my God. Uh, Yeah. Very cool. So on February, February, um, 30, uh, February 3rd, sorry, 1981, um, Randy Woodfield called his sister in Shasta County and asked to have coffee with her, Mm. but she said that her husband didn't want him around. Because you're a fucking creep and we know it. Yeah. The family's like, we're not into you. (laughs) Um, Soon after... Randy Woodfield forced his way into the Mountain Gate home of Donna Eckerd and her 14-year-old daughter, Janelle. They were found dead, each shot twice in the back of the head. Lab tests would reveal later that the girl had been sodomized. Mm. Their home was just off the I-5. Mm. And then earlier that same day, an 18-year-old waitress was kidnapped and raped after a holdup 15 miles south in Reading. And then next day, a similar crime was reported 100 miles up the I-5 in Wairika, California. And then 10 days later, Randy Woodfield organized a Valentine's Day party for himself. Oh, no. At the Marriott Hotel in downtown Portland. What does that consist of? You guys don't fucking like that place. Picture it. Picture the decorations. A grown man throwing a Valentine's Day party for himself. Oh my God. Himself. I barely even like Valentine's Day as a couple. I mean, no one likes it. No. He throws a, a party for himself on Valentine's Day, and here's the worst part, or maybe the best part no one goes. No one goes. Oh, man. This is why you don't have birthday parties. <laughs> or kill people. Birthday parties. Birthday parties are hard enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't pick a random holiday and be like, you know what? This Easter's about me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, do- you, yeah. it doesn't work that way. Especially one that's like, everyone is like, well, I want to be with the person that I, like, bone. Yeah, Randy, I don't want sp- to spend this day with no. you, Randy. I don't love you. Yeah. I've never loved you. <laughs> I played football with you. Yeah. My wife's like, who the fuck is this guy? I don't want to fucking be at his Marriott fucking Valentine's Day party. It's fucking psychotic. It's because it's not like, let's all meet at a bar and have Valentine's Day about me. It's like, I've rented the grand ballroom at the Marriott. 
and I've hung streamers. <laughs> Please come. All right. <clears throat> Will you be my... So after that night and the humiliation, he, Randy Woodfield turns up on the doorstep of Julie Wright's home in Beaverton at 2 a.m. And around... Yay. <laughs> no yay for Beaverton. You're right. <laughs> Don't be embarrassed. Oh. I know it's hard. It's hard sometimes. <laughs> now we have to go back into the horrible story. Around 4 a.m., <laughs> Julie was That's, shot. Sorry. No, go ahead. That's the, basically the podcast. Now we have to go back into this horrible story. <laughs> yes. That's what it's called. That's the working title. Yeah. Around 4 a.m., Julie is shot twice in the back of the head after being raped. Her body is found at 8.30 a.m. by her mother. Ugh. So police find that Julie knew her attacker because they'd had a, they'd had a glass of wine. Oh. Um, and they were planning on having coffee. There was instant coffee sitting on the counter, and the water had boiled all the way down in the kettle. Um, and investigators soon find out that Julie knew Randy Woodfield because he worked as a bouncer at the Fossert Tavern in Raleigh Hills, and he'd uh, many times overlooked that she had a fake ID and let her into the bar anyway because Julie was 14 years old. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. So I'm glad we all clapped for Bieberton. <laughs> really good plan, you guys. Can you fucking imagine, like, someone knocks on the door and you look and it's like the bouncer at the fucking bar you sneak into and you're just like I don't really want to open the door but Hi, it's the Randy. 80s so I'm nice to everyone I yeah. can't be rude yeah he well he's done you all these favors yeah so like I guess like, I can't just like Hi, Randy, I heard about your Valentine's Day party. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't I go was sorry I was washing my hair I'm so yeah. sorry alright so Marion County detectives interview Randy after, after this murder because his name keeps coming up in all of these murders. He's somehow, mm-hmm. somehow affected, somehow connected. So they search his home, his room actually, where he's staying. He's renting a room in a house. And he find, they only find gun cleaning materials. But when his landlady shows up, she shows them a lengthy phone bill with a trail of calls from San Francisco to Bethel, Washington. I don't know if that's how it's written. Bothell, I said. <laughs> like brothel, Washington. Which like is awful. just a few miles south. <laughs> like awful, which is how we pronounce every city in every state that we visit. So that's when they realize, when they see all these calls going in all these cities straight up and down the five, they're like, we have a serial killer on our hands. Um, then they look up payphone calling logs and they connect. He was using, remember calling cards, everybody? Mm-hmm. <laughs> remember? Hey, hey, oldies. Hey, remember when we used to use calling cards? You have 20 minutes left on this card. <laughs> I remember. And you're like, oh my God, this is like money. Don't yeah, lose yeah. it. But I need to talk to my boyfriend. Like, I can miss you, baby. Do you miss me? Uh, so he used calling cards 
um, with a, within a few miles of every of the city of every murder, Fuck. and that phone record was the final piece of evidence that they used um, to arrest Randy Woodfield. And uh, yeah. Detective Dave Bishop says, all of a sudden it became obvious. It was a map of I five. Randy Woodfield was addicted to the phone, and he made thousands of calls. But when he called women, some of them turned him down, and that made him mad. And within minutes, he would find a victim. Some he knew. And and some he did not. So at the trial, fucking Lisa Garcia was the key witness. Yeah. She, yeah. she tells the jury about the night in the Transamerica office building. She said that the man that they see in the courtroom was the same one who raped and shot her and raped and murdered her coworker. It took the jury three and a half hours to reach its verdict of guilty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So oh. in June... Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh. Some of you are like, I don't know. (laughs) Is it weird that I... I feel like I could change it. (laughs) I could get him off that phone. On June 26, 1981, Randy Woodfield was convicted on all counts. Um, there was no death penalty option in Oregon, so he was sentenced to pris- a prison term of life plus 90 years at the Oregon State Penitentiary. That December, 35 more years were added to his sentence when a jury in Benton, Oregon, at Benton County, Oregon, convicted him of sodomy and weapons charges tied to another attack in a restaurant bathroom. Um, Randy Woodfield has always maintained his innocence. Oh, please, um, dude. This 2006 quote from Randy's MySpace page is Oh my god. (laughs) Wow. That was a lot of information at once. He's still alive. (laughs) He has a MySpace page. What if I just started reading a third eye blind lyrics (laughs) sheet? I don't think you're allowed to smoke in Oregon prisons, but you can have a fucking MySpace page? People need to express themselves on a black background with green writing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I want to know who your top eight are. Is it your bunk, your cellmate? Because he's going to be pissed if it's not. <laughs> you better bump him up there. Mm-hmm. He's like, I love phones and myself and parties. Yeah. This 2006 quote from Randy's MySpace page is the closest he's ever come to taking ownership of his past. Quote, I spend the remainder of my days in prison because I have committed a murder along with many other crimes. I once tried out for the Green Bay Packers. The only reason I didn't make it is because the skills I had to offer, they didn't need at the time. Uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I am loved, deeply loved, so loved, I could fill a Marriott ballroom with how many people who love me. In 2012... Woodfield was definitively linked to five more murders, three in the Portland area, and two in California's Shasta County. That's your I-5 killer, everybody. And we're back in it. And we're back in 2020. Back in 2020. I wish we could have warned ourselves during that your show just now to watch the fuck out for 2020. I would have... You know what I would have done, Georgia, is... After our show, I, f- I remember us all going to a bar together because mm-hmm. we had, you had friends in town. That's I had right. friends in town. We all went to a bar. We had a great time. Yeah. We met people. We chatted. We got to bunker down. I would have whispered in my ear, uh-huh. travel back in time, whisper in my ear, go to a different bar. Go to other places. Oh. Stay out all night long. <laughs> go, just go do stuff. I thought Walk you meant like, get away river. from these people. Go to a different bar <laughs> right now. <laughs> 
go to a different. These people are dragging you down. (laughs) If you go to a different bar right now, COVID might not happen. (laughs) That's what you meant. Like you could change time. Step on a different butterfly. No, no, no. I just meant like go enjoy yourself. I keep watching things. There was some video on Twitter the other day of people at a concert and something funny happened. Uh But I was just like concerts. And and I, you know me, I'm like can take them or leave them and usually leave them. And now I'm like, concerts. I know. Concerts. I miss miss putting an outfit together. God damn. Uh, You know? Yeah, I do. Because I've been wearing the same black shirt for uh, two years now. Me too. I never thought I'd get sick of house dresses, but look at me now. Fucking sick of house dresses. Okay. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com slash murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. Okay, for my episode, we're going to go all the way over to Minneapolis, Minnesota. Always a great time we have at live shows there. We oh, did, yeah. we were at the University of Minnesota at the Northorp Auditorium on October 18th, 2017. And I cover the murder of Carol Thompson, a.k.a. the story that inspired Fargo. So enjoy. So who do we... It's you. Okay. Stephen emailed and told us. He did? Yeah. Oh, I didn't look. Yeah. Well, great. I'm glad one of us pays attention. <laughs> Stephen. Stephen. <laughs> okay. This, uh, ladies and gentlemen, is the murder of Carol Thompson. Um, Real quick, for the newbies. Oh, right. We are not cheering for the murder of Carol Thompson. That's not what's happening right now. No. It's important to us that you understand We are not a pro-murder podcast. Quite the opposite, in fact. Quite the opposite. Yeah. And there's a reason I didn't say this is the story of her husband. I said it's of the Vic... Okay, anyways, you get it. You get it. Okay. Okay. In 1963, Karen, Carol uh, Swoboda Thompson, she's a 34-year-old housewife, mother of four young children, ages 6 to 13, and she's the only child of a respected St. Paul plumbing contractor, and they have a lot of money, Um, And she's married for 15 years to an up-and-coming attorney named T. Eugene Thompson. He's 35. He was born in Blue Earth, Minnesota, Um, which sounds rural because one person (laughs) quietly wooed. That was the mayor. (laughs) Coming down to represent Blue Earth. The mayor and the one person who lives there. 
Um, all right, so Carol is kind of the prototypical uh, 60s, 50s, 60s housewife. She's this lovely woman. She's really active in her Presbyterian church. She's active in the scouts for her kids and does all of those sorts of things. She plays bridge with her friends, that adorable kind of thing. Um, they get together for coffee parties, which probably they'll probably pour it a little in there. You <laughs> I think know? so. I would. Um, <laughs> I mean, coffee parties sound like a blast and everything, but... <laughs> Let's yeah. get it going. Yeah, let's, let's get the party it. part in there. Let's do it. Um, she did all the normal things early 1960s housewives did. So, when she was brutally murdered at the Highland Park family home on the morning of March 6, 1963, the city was fucking shocked because yeah. this kind of thing didn't happen. And this family was well known in the neighborhood or in the town because of the attorney husband and this lovely woman. So that's March 6, 1963. Her killer surprised her in her bedroom. She was home alone. Killer surprised her in her bedroom and struck her over the head with a piece of rubber hose. And then when she passed out, he attempted to drown her to make it look like she accidentally drowned. Oh. That fucking Carol is a badass motherfucker because that didn't work. So she came to and she like fought him off and started to run through the house. Then he tries to... um he tries to shoot her. The gun misfires. Then he beats her up with the butt of a Luger pistol and stabs her in the neck with a kitchen knife, but she still fucking survives. Jesus Christ. I know. He goes, he thinks she's dead. He goes to wash his hands and like clean up and she fucking runs to her next door neighbor with a fucking knife in her neck. Whoa. With a knife in her neck? Sorry. With a knife in her neck. We should all be so Fuck. badass. That's amazing. I know. Um, so she staggers to the neighbor's house. <clears throat> the neighbor answers the door, finds Carol, who's unrecognizable because <sighs> of the blood. She's barefoot. She says, I've got a knife in my throat. A man did it. <sighs> he came to the door. And this is the most 1960s saying I've ever heard. Won't you please help me? <sighs> I know. Also, just that poor neighbor. I mean, like... No. She's having her own private coffee party inside. <laughs> Chilling, minding her business. 60s housewife style. Vacuuming for the fourth time that day. Just getting those pills taken. <laughs> hoovering. They called Ho- it hoovering. They called it hoovering. Mm-hmm. Making everything nice and And neat. then there's a knock at the door. Oh, God. Horrible. Don't ever answer that. <laughs> well, that's not true. Never mind. Um, she, Carol's rushed to anchor... Anchor hospital, and the surgeons took a th- took the blade from her throat, worked on her, but she died three hours Ugh, later. I don't know, poor baby. The people, and then the people were panicking. Her husband, when he finds out, is bawling. Um, people were panicking, and there's no arrest made for several weeks. So people were like, and it's one of those things in the city where it's like we didn't think this happened in our city to these kinds of people, as everyone who this ever happens to says. Yeah. Um, in L.A., we're like, yeah, this happens this happens here. all the time. To all of us. Constantly. Constantly. Everywhere you look. Yeah. We're like, why didn't it happen today? What's wrong? <laughs> we're all the bad people in one spot. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> then the evidence that's left up at the scene is pieces of the, pris- the pistol's grip, which had broken off during the attack. And those are traced. Oh, wait. Do you want to see pictures? So this is, I have a photo of the family. There we go. Oh, I know. Look, look, she looks almost exactly like June Cleaver. That's like I know. It's so 
Typical. And then we have oh. a photo of her and her husband, T. Eugene Thompson, at their wedding. I know. It's just to bum you guys out real quick. <laughs> That's what they're here for. Hey, me too. So the, the evidence of the pistol grip that's broken off left at the scene, it leads investigators that gun part to an ap- in April to an ex-convict from Michigan. You guys love that place. <laughs> yeah, why are you holding up a... S- <laughs> His name is Dick W.C. Anderson. He's a troubled Korean War combat vet. He confesses to the murder that he did it. But he said he was hired by former Twin Cities prize fighter underworld figure named Norman J. Mastrian. When Norman's questioned, the guy who hired this dude, he reveals that he had been hired by Carol's husband, T. Eugene Thompson, to murder Carol for three grand. Well, it was, it was the late 60s. So that would be a 10 grand today. <laughs> They're not wetting over that, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. And this is a really nice paper, by the way. Um, I just want to <laughs> thank Can we you. have a moment of positivity? This is absolutely gorgeous paper. I realize, Very high quality items, you guys. I realized as I was saying that, what an inappropriate time it was to say that. I support it. But that's this podcast. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. ADD Central. <laughs> Okay, $3,000. So Swanson says that uh, Mr. Thompson carefully masterminded the hit, including getting... Okay, so he fucking, on Valentine's Day, is they have this really cute, yappy little dachshund, and he's like, we're getting rid of the dog, and fucking takes the dog and like gives it away on Valentine's Day. Just randomly? Just to get Just... rid of the dog so the dude could break <gasps> oh, in. Wow. I know. Wow. And the morning of, he takes the telephone out of the bedroom yeah warning signs everybody (laughs) keep your eyes peeled yeah definitely i know oh sorry we just have to get this phone uh fixed we just i just have to bring the phone in to get it's not broken honey (laughs) now it oh no here we go yep um okay so also, Norman Mastrian, he's a local convict. He had been involved in the murder of an underworld type years earlier. And the person who represented him is T. Eugene Thompson, the husband who is an attorney. Oh, so, so he's there's like a, a connection. Maybe like a dirty defense attorney? Exactly. Got it. Um, or, you know, has connections to these types of people. So according to a bunch of underworld sources, which I love that just like... <laughs> the Minneapolis mm, underworld. Yeah. I would love to study it. You know that word is just so like, oh, yeah, we all know. Yeah. Yeah. Black market snow. (laughs) The underworld. You know. You know. You know. So according to a bunch of them who are like, yeah, three or four of us had to turn Mastrian down. So there's a bunch of other people like, yeah, he asked us to kill (laughs) the wife. And we were all like, fuck no. (laughs) But this one dude, Dick Anderson. He just walked around one bar. (laughs) Like, hey. not a good plan. No. Okay, so T. Eugene Thompson is arrested on June 21st and indicted on charge of first-degree murder. And this fucking trial is like the O.J. Simpson trial of the time, which I know is everyone says that about everything. Um, but it really applies here. It really. Like, <laughs> to prove it, they were like, there were even newspapers in Oslo talking about it. Or it's like, whoa. Uh, so, you, like, you get the scope. Yeah, you, you know. they made it to fucking Norway. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, so there's a six-week trial covered by reporters from across the country, and they were doing the thing where they're like, so-and-so is wearing this today, and this person's wearing that today. Oh, we have um, arrest photos of them. Okay, that's, that's the guy who killed them. Don't ooh. I'm sorry. <laughs> and that's Eugene Thompson, who totally looks like someone I dated. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, what did that guy do? He just, he thought he was a mod and he drove like a Mini Cooper from the, he had it flown over from the fucking UK. Oh, really? It was so dumb. Pip, pip. <laughs> he all, yeah. He also, Do all underworld people have a cleft chin? Because that first guy did. But I think that's why I made that noise. Oh. Now I feel bad. All good. Okay. You thought he, you were hoping he was just uninvolved so you could talk about how like, cute he was. This guy? <laughs> he was on a TV show at the time and you just wanted to set the scene. <laughs> yeah. This is the most famous nice guy in the world. <laughs> he's the sweetest. Everyone in Minneapolis loved him anyway. <laughs> and he's a murderer. Okay. So the story about the trial was running on UPI's National Wire. The only th- reason it got bumped and interrupted was because a certain day on November 22nd, 1963, President JFK had been shot. Yes. The only reason it got kicked and bumped, it was going to be in Life magazine and everything, but then they were like, bigger problem. Yeah. Um, Okay, so then at the trial, it turns out, it comes out that uh, Eugene Thompson was a notorious womanizer and... Sorry, the second guy? Yeah. I swear to God. That question says it all. Men have it good. Yeah. Let's just say it that. Let's just say it that way. Yeah. You can be a bald, a little bald, bland fuck and be a womanizer. <laughs> sorry. Amen. Sorry. I, that's very sexist against men, and I'm sorry. <laughs> we want this to be a welcoming environment. <laughs> she can't even say it with a straight face. <laughs> okay. You want to try that again? Back to we want this to be a welcoming environment <laughs> for everybody. We you know, know. there's so many good ones out there. Yeah, you know, like Show we your have faces. all that. Like women have welcoming yeah. environments. We want it to be. <laughs> Let's get feminist. <laughs> Surprise! This is also a feminist podcast. <laughs> then they're like, then like everyone storms out because yeah. okay, all right, enough, Georgia. Okay, <laughs> total womanizer, and he had been taking out. Life insurance policies. Man. Dude. They, I, it's funny that they haven't implemented something at insurance companies where if a husband is taking out large item life insurance policies on his wife, maybe somebody goes by and just knocks on the door. Yeah. Just checks in. Let's her know. Hey, what are you up to? And what does she, is she aware? And yeah. does everybody on the same page with this multi-million dollar life insurance policy? I think that's a great idea. All right. I'm going to call Geico tomorrow. <laughs> um, and he took out like a million dollar life insurance policy pretty quickly, pretty recently in the past. Um, but he had been taking out for 15 years, bits and pieces of life insurance. So he was like... So like he had policies all over the place? Yeah. Well, he was an attorney, so he probably knew how the shit worked. Policies in every area code? (laughs) Got 99 policies. (laughs) So then someone said he had a long-running girlfriend. He had several girlfriends. Had a long-running one in particular who he was eager to marry. 
you know, those two fucking things, the life insurance policy and the girlfriend. He went on, he like some, for some reason went on the stand and everyone hated him. (laughs) Shocker. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Uh, He didn't womanize his way to the top of the courtroom. It's those guys that think they're so charming that they can win anyone over. And they can also think that they can kill their wife and get away with it. Yeah. They're like, no, 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 I got this. Let me get on the stand. I'll yeah. convince everyone. I'm it's so always charming. the doctor husbands on Dateline who are just like, I assure you, Ed. <laughs> and you're just like, you look like a lizard. You are the scariest. Your eyes are dead and you have a forked tongue. Shut up. Just like not having the forethought that everyone thinks you're guilty. Yeah. You know, knowing that. <sighs> All right. Ba, 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 ba. We're really on one tonight. Man, we're pissed. <laughs> 12 hours of deliberation. Jury decided that Thompson was guilty and he was sentenced to life in prison. Yeah. Uh, no, wait, though. Life doesn't mean life anymore. You guys know that. Or back then, ever. Um, okay, the two dudes, Anderson and Mastrian, are indicted in 1963, first-degree murder charges, each sentenced to life in prison after being convicted. Um, da, 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 da. Okay, so now the oldest child, Jeffrey, who was 13 at the time of his mother's murder, he became a lawyer. Um, and this guy, like, he likes to give interviews, and he's fucking cool. Like, his mommy's a badass and is just really open about what happened because... So horrified by it, obviously. Um, so he became a prosecutor, prosecuted several first-degree murder cases, and occasionally cites points of law from his father's trial. Oh well, he'll be like, well, it just so happens that Thompson, relation, in this, you know, at this time, blah, 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 blah. Amazing. I know. Um, in 1999, Horrifying. he was appointed district court judge in Winona. Okay. All right, got a couple more than from Blue Mountain or whatever the fuck. Blue soil. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh. Then, okay, here we go. 1983, serving 19 years, T. Eugene Thompson is released on parole. Um, He maintained that he had been framed, and so after his release, his children, including Jeffrey, who's the lawyer, was like, come over, we're going to sit down, we're going to hold a little trial of our own, and we need you to convince us that you're not guilty, because that's what you're saying, and they laid out all the evidence for him, and they were like, tell... Like, you're a lawyer, too. Tell us why we're wrong. And the only thing he could come up with was, like, some weird blood sample report about the blood that was in the house, which is, like, you weren't even in the... No one even said you were in the house anyways. That's all he could come up with. And at the end, Jeffrey Thompson is like, yeah, guilty. It's amazing he did it. That's another sign of that uh, kind of crazy narcissism where he's like, oh, yeah, that's easy. I'll convince those guys. Right. And the kids are like, they want him to tell them it's it's not like they're like we're never gonna talk to you again it's like we can't have a relationship with you if you're fucking lying to us and we know it yeah it's like not understand Ugh, okay, here we go <laughs> <laughs> um so jeffrey and his three younger sisters uh let's see okay wait sorry Mm-mm-mm-mm. So, T. Eugene thompson died august 7th 2017 on his 88th birthday not the son the dad um, and on, and Jeffrey put on his, um, on his tombstone, every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. Amen. That's kind of an ironic thing to put on a headstone. You have to admit. <laughs> well, there's no future. Uh, <laughs> oh, 
right. I didn't think that about may that have part. been sarcasm <laughs> on his part. He sounds, it sounds like badassery run in the family. Yeah. Uh, so that's it. That's the, the murder of Carol Thompson. Oh, that was great. Thank you. Thank you. Great job on that. Thank uh, you. I remember you doing all your research the day of. <laughs> Thank and you. And it turned out great. It turned out really good. That must have been one of those ones where I, I, I had another one that I was totally going to do. And then the <laughs> afternoon of when you're like, fuck, I have to pick something else. I can't, I can't do, do this one for whatever reason. I know. There are lots of doubts. And um, for as fun and great as all those live shows turned out, yeah. there was lots of worry and doubts beforehand. Definitely. Even the stories that did really, really well. You're still like, what if they're mad at me for this one? What if everyone in Minnesota knows that this is the story you don't talk about and you just don't know it? Or you know what I mean? Or like, this is the one thing that everyone will make everyone hate you. Which is essentially just what we all call an anxiety. And it pops up and tells you, here's the worst case scenario. And then we, as people who love our own brains, Uh don't say, oh, that's that idea that I get in my head every time I attempt vulnerability. Instead, we go, I have to change the story. Yeah. I have to change it right now. That's right. It's not just my thinking. I know for a fact this is going to be the one that breaks us. That's right. The silence of the audience. And I will then dive into the audience and cry. It worked out good. Yeah. We have a hometown now in this quilt episode. The hometown. the hometown is from November 28th, 2019. So it's much more recent than these two, That's which right. are both from three years ago. <sighs> it was um, Alex came up at the end of the show that we did at the London Apollo and told us her hometown. It was really uh, quite a story. It's quite fun. Enjoy. Yeah, you guys know the rules. You can't be so drunk that your story doesn't have a beginning, a middle and an end and being the crucial part always. Um, and please be local and uh, give up whoever's waving that up there because there's no fucking way we're waiting for you to come down here. Sorry. Okay, who has a hometown? Oh, God. I, do you want to do it? No. Yeah, I'll pick her. Who's her? Her? Waving hands. Okay. Or maybe him. I don't yeah, know yeah. my glasses on. Yeah, yeah, you. Yeah. Go to Vince. I really hate that. It was so easy last night because after the speech, one person raised their hand. Oh, yeah. Can we get the audience lights down so she doesn't have a... Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. It's fucking It's very scary. It's very scary to see all of you. (laughs) It really is. (laughs) I'm sorry I interrupted you because I was so scared about the lights. (laughs) I don't care. What were you saying? I don't remember. Just that only one person raised their hand yesterday. I am. Yeah, it was easy. Hi. Hi. Nice to meet you. It's Alex, everyone. You look beautiful. It's terrifying. You're going to do great. It's Alex, everybody. Say hi. Where are you from? Uh, Basingstoke, which is about an hour away from here. Wow. Are a lot of people from there? Uh, I didn't think so, but apparently so. (laughs) Or they just love it. Is it awesome? No. Oh. Okay, what do you have? You want to tell your story? Yeah, so it's the murder of uh, a gentleman named Tristan Lovelock. It's probably like the only really famous murder in Basingstoke. (laughs) That's good though, that's good. Yeah. Um, And my relation to it is that these guys are the same age as my mom, my mom grew up with them, so yeah. God, this is scary. 
I know. You're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> Nice, nice move. So, basically, a gentleman is out in Southam, which is in Basingstoke, a bit of a rough area of Basingstoke, mm-hmm. um, and his dog is alerting him to something in the bushes. So he goes over and he finds the decapitated head of Tristan. Oh, no. Love lock. Yeah. He's 67 years old, so mm. how he didn't die from a heart attack, I don't know, but... <laughs> you mean the guy walking the dog? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> Not the head. God, sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so um, they track um, numerous body parts around South Ham and uh, track it to a particular house. And there's only one tenant, and his name is Richard Markham. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, yes. Who gives a shit? Just go with someone. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so they track it to his house, and um, basically uh, it comes about that they were out drinking, probably more than drinking, probably drugs as well, mm-hmm. um, out with friends. <laughs> she says it under her breath into a microphone. <laughs> Sorry. That's my favorite. <laughs> um, and they go back to his house and they get into an altercation about a, a woman. Um, and he claims it was self-defense, but he basically picks up a hammer and just starts smashing <gasps> him in the head with the hammer. Oh, my yeah. God. Um, he claims that uh, Tristan, who was the guy that was murdered, pulled a World War II bayonet on him, and so he felt like he had to defend himself. With a hammer. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, after that, he dismembered him with a hacksaw, um, spreads his body parts around South Ham, um, and then proceeds... This is what makes me think they're on drugs. Then proceeds to put his arm in the oven and bake it. Yeah. I'm not joking. No, I know. <laughs> so after this... Wait, why after, does he do that? Just uh, drugs. Okay, oh, got it. Okay. <laughs> I, I want don't a reason. Know. I want a reason. Tristan's arm, not his own arm. <laughs> not very good at telling stories. No, you're great. It's definitely me. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm here. Here we are. Oh last we show, are. everybody. Last show. Last we can show. do this. We can we do it. Are. So sorry. Okay, Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. So, uh, after he's done all this, he then flees and uh, goes to the airport. He's like, give me a ticket to anywhere. I don't care where. Uh, <laughs> like a song. Yeah, it's like, kind of yeah. it's like a glee moment yeah. in the airport. Um, and they give him a ticket to JFK. So, he goes to New York, uses his own name, his own cards, books a hotel, goes out, does tourist things in New York. He's right in Times Square. Um, obviously, back in Basingstoke, the police are going mad trying to find this guy. Um, and when they finally find him, he's sat in Central Park reading a newspaper article about himself. Oh, my God. Dude. And um, then he proceeds to lift up his T-shirt, and he has a Made in England tattoo around his navel. <laughs> Bristol! <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, he gets sent into life in prison, and that's the end. Amazing. That's so good, Alex. Alex, Alex everybody, she killed it. So good. Great job. Wow. Great job, London. You fucking did it. Wow. 
Way to go, Alex. Alex, thank you for uh, bringing all that onto the stage. Yeah. We appreciate it. It's a scary thing to come up on that stage, but you you did it. She really did it. Yeah, she really did. Thanks for listening to this quilt episode. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) That's not what this is. (laughs) (laughs) We're stitching together the quilt episode. Episode. We're stitching words together and quilts together. Um, And... Yeah. Thanks. Thank thank you. Good job, you guys. Um, hopefully everything where you are is acceptable to okay. <laughs> uh let's not hope for more. Yeah. Let's just keep the expectations nice and low. Oh yeah. Twenty twenty twenty. Keep the expectations nice and low. Ex- keep your expectations low and your arms locked in a chain, a human chain. Yeah, and, and we will get through this together. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, also stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Goodbye. Elvis, do you want a cookie?